NAD Ministerial presents Multiply, Baptize, Equip, Plant with Jose Cortez Jr. I want for us to turn there to the Old Testament. I'm going to read Welcome to the And this morning we're having a baby dedication. You know, every now and then. We baptize you now in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Spirit of Spirit. We're about to go eat. I want to thank you for the food. Is there a second to the motion? To present to you the happiest newlyweds in all the land. Muy buenos días, amigos, hermanos y familias. God, give us strength and power to live like you told us to live. I'm Patricia, and welcome. How do you close your church's back door and retain new members? Find three ways today as our host, Jose Cortez Jr., talks to John Boston. One thing that I found um, in the evangelistic process and in the culture is that our churches assume that when people make a decision to become an Adventist and a Christian, that the ch- it'll automatically, their journey will take care of itself. And we measure their spiritual growth based on how often they come to church, how often they connect with the church. When the truth of the matter is, we have to balance that. How well are we connecting with them? We've got lots of great actionable insights on the way. More in a moment. We want you to know that we are here as a growth resource. Go to nadministerial.com and click on podcast for everything you need to multiply your ministry. Our guest is John Boston II. Here's Jose. A church is not full-time if not open to serve 40 hours a week. That's a quote by a friend of mine, a great pastor. His name is John Boston. And by the way, John Boston is here with me on the set of Advent Next for this Multiply podcast. So welcome to our Multiply podcast. And John, it's so good to have you here, my brother. Are you doing okay today? I'm doing well, Jose. It's a tremendous treat for me to be here, man. John, you are the Associate Director for the North American Division Evangelism Institute. And we're thrilled that we were able to get you back from Australia. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate it. A great day. I'm glad to be home. I remember about... A few years ago, uh, you know, at the E-Huddle, you made a presentation there, and someone sent me a text saying, is John Boston the real deal? <laughs> and my reply was, yes, he is. Next thing I know is that you were going to Australia. Oh, and man. That made me so mad. <laughs> All right? So I went to see you in Australia twice. Yes, Remember you did. when you were sure there? Did. All right? Check on my family. Check on you and your family. Make sure you guys were okay. And always preparing the moment when, when you could come back, and I'm so glad you're back. <laughs> Praise well, God for you, Jose. I, I, you know, I love Australia, right? Yeah, my of wife course. Is from there. You, right? you literally love Australia. I literally love Australia, <laughs> but hey, I'm so glad you're back, my friend. So uh, welcome back. Thank you. So good that you're working with us at the division. I don't think there's a better person that, that could be uh, occupying the place that you're occupying right now. And uh, so thank you for your ministry, and thank you for everything that you're doing. Thank you, man. I wanted to just say I appreciate you as well. Jose, you've really paved the path for so many leaders to grow and thrive and dream, and I appreciate you. Thank you. But that's part of leadership, making sure if we're not making leaders and enabling other leaders, you know, when we're leaders, then it's we're true. not doing our it's job. It's true. So yeah. thank you. Hey, we're going to talk about a few things here today, okay? Um, but let's start with uh, appeals, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, we preach our hearts out. We work all week making sure that, that, that our ceremony is on point. Then we go to church. We preach it. People get excited. Uh, some say amen. Some take notes. Mm. Some clap. Uh, regardless, some shout. All right? Yeah. Uh, but then at the end of the sermon, we say amen and we sit down. Sure. What happened? 
I, I think it's a couple of things. I, I, when I, I poll my, my friends and peers and people I work with, and I say, you know, where, where, where's your process on appeal? And sometimes it's fear mm -hmm. because we feel like, oh, no one will come. Or sometimes it may just be uh, a, a break in connection. I don't feel like that sermon was good enough. But the truth of the matter is the appeal is our part. The response is up to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, that's it. And so we've got to be faithful to, to make the appeal, to make that call. And if we're not doing it in our personal lives with our one-on-one -on -one engagement, it's not likely we'll be comfortable doing it in the pulpit. Oh, wow. Okay, have you ever been afraid of, to make an appeal in the pulpit? Every time. I, oh, okay. I, I can't help but escape. You're not the only one. No, man. I thought I was the only one. No, man, I'm, I'm ter terrified. I feel like, and then I got to face my wife. She's like, well, you weren't with the Lord, huh? <laughs> and, but, and it, it's a joke in all sincerity. I remember I led an evangelistic meeting. We had thousands of people show up. And when I made the appeal, people started walking out. I, I, it was like a total bomb. And I had to grow and learn. In that meeting, 76 people got baptized. And one of the elders of the local church came to me and said, I remember how you looked when you made that appeal and no one wanted to come up. Mm. But you kept preaching and you kept making the appeal. And I want you to see that God didn't call you to win in the appeal. He called you to be faithful with it. That's right. So you win as a pastor when you make the appeal. Got to. Okay. Uh, if nobody shows up or gets up or raises their hand or anything, it's not your fault. It's not. It's leave leave fault. that with God. Man, yeah. yeah. Hey, I, I go through the same thing just about every time, <laughs> man. But I am determined that I'm going to make appeals no matter what. Amen. All right? So yeah. and let God do his thing. Sure. All right? So now let me ask you. Um, we have pastors out there. Thousands of pastors are listening to us, okay, to this podcast. And they are wondering, but, you know, what type of appeal are they talking about? Are there more than one just than just uh, one type? Oh, there, there, there's, there's, there's so many ways. I think there, there are a few that really come to mind. One, right. make a direct appeal. Come down to the front. That, that one's the, the big scary one. Like, yeah. oh, man, what am that's, I going to do? That's always a scary one. Yeah, that's always. Because you feel like it's a measure of your ministry, but yeah. it's really not. Yeah. yeah. And then there, some people use cards. You know, fill out the card. To me, I found out that the cards are the most effective ones. You find a lot of effect in that. That's good. More effective because, you know, people are not afraid. Sure, okay? sure. They write their names. Yeah. And you got all their info in one shot, you know, yeah. and, and you got it there so you can just contact them. Sure. No, no, I think I, I've used cards. I've used come down and I've used raise your hand. Okay. And on that, yeah. raise and, your hand. And when you, when you have, yeah, when you have an ongoing culture of evangelism, you're going to have people who are prepared if someone raises their hand or stand up. To take their info. Take their info. That's right. That, that, that's easy. To me, the most. Uh, um, not emotional, but the most uh, uh, touching one is when you ask people to come forward. That is. And, and okay. that's really something special about that when they do. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's really good. And, and then sometimes when you get lots of people coming forward, then yeah. everybody starts coming. Once it's you hit true. that critical mass, man, people start coming I've down. found, Jose, one person. who One person breaks the ice, it changes it. I've seen mm -hmm. appeals where two people have come, no people have come. Well, 150 people yeah. have come, yeah. for baptism specifically. And so, yeah, it's, it's a journey. But you got to make the appeal, whether it's a hand or card or stand or um, respond by raising your hand. Whatever it is, you, you got to make the appeal. The other day I was at Upper Columbia Conference camp meeting. And made an appeal, and it took like five minutes. Yeah, for one person to come down. You got labor. I was getting, I, I was getting ready to just close, throw into towel. Yeah, it, but I, I have a hard time closing it. You know, once you get into it, you yeah. want at least one. Sure, sure. Know? So one person comes down, and then I said, "Okay, guys, you gotta go to lunch. It's time to eat." And so I'm, I'm gonna pray here, and then four people start coming down. Praise God. Okay, and then so every time that I said I'm gonna close this thing, yeah, people. Yeah. 
some more people came down. Sure. So ended up with 29 people. Praise God. Okay. Imagine if and you had given up. Exactly. So, yeah. so I did my part. That's true. Okay? And then God did his. Absolutely. Okay. And then, too, when you're a preacher, for the, all the preachers that are listening, you're listening to the Holy Spirit. When you're making that appeal, the Lord will tell you when to stop. Don't stop until he says, let it go. That's, that's, that's it. So, yeah. so what's your advice for pastors and preachers anywhere? Yeah. Make that appeal, right? Absolutely. All right, very good. Number two, let's let's go to the to to our next uh, next point here. Uh, I've heard you talk about evangelism uh, and the transformational versus the transactional. Can you break this down for us a little bit? I, Jose, you know probably even better than anyone that, that um, right now there's a, a a huge conversation taking place about revitalization. Yep. And if you're if we're not careful, what you'll note if you look closely, the conversation on revitalization is coming into focus as the conversation around evangelism is going out of focus. Mm -hmm. You can't fix a, a missional issue without engaging mission. That's right. And so with, with that being said, when you talk about uh, evangelism and, and making appeals and you look at these elements, all of these things have to work together in, in creating a culture of evangelism. When I say culture, meaning the people that are engaging should be changed. The people in the community should be changed. It should make a difference. That's, that's, what, makes, that's part, what makes right? a transformation. A transactional evangelistic process is when you plan for a few months, you have an event, you get people baptized, some. and you close. Yeah. That, that you stop. That's a and, transaction. And you should never close. Never. It should never Evangelism stop. Evangelism doesn't end. I want to make a confession. All right, go for it. Now, I, don't use it against me. All right. I hope, hopefully I won't. Okay. No, I won't, man. You're my friend. I, 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 please don't, okay? Right. Yeah, you've been so good to me. I'd hate right. to change that. <laughs> no, no. It won't change. Don't worry. I, 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 in Columbus, Ohio. Man, I remember Columbus. Oh, man, was it was there. so special. Loved that it was special. with you there, man. Mercy. Yeah, I loved it. But we, we had three years... 187 people were baptized, mm. okay? Mm. And all of the ministries engaged. That's, that's significant for church. That is very significant. And I praise God for that. Mm. We did not hold a public evangelistic meeting for any two-week period. You know what we did? 52 weeks a year. That's awesome. Seven days a week. That's awesome. And, and there, I think, that proved that when you engage evangelism to transform it's so much more fruitful than when it's a transaction. And, John, this is the one thing that we're trying to get across here in North America because we have some people that want to hold on to six weeks, three weeks, two yeah. weeks, yeah. Uh, to, to evangelism that is uh, uh, on the calendar. It's planned for a certain amount of time. And, and I don't have a problem with that. Sure. Okay? Mm -hmm. uh, but but I, want to, I want to go beyond that. Absolutely. I want to say evangelism is anything that brings people to Jesus. It is. Okay, regardless of how you do it. Uh, and it should be constant. It and if you're not, doing if you're doing something that's not leading people to Jesus, you need to drop it. Exactly. Yeah. So sometimes when we do six weeks and we don't baptize someone, then we need to look at other other ways. Absolutely. You know? And yeah. so I'm not trying to knock anything. No. But we want to make it clear: if you're a pastor in North America and you want to do evangelism, anything that brings people to Christ. Absolutely. So Fifty-two weeks of evangel weekends and weeks of evangelism. That's awesome. That's right. It's got it. Produce ongoing. The same results or better results than if you had done just a transaction. The results are deeper. Uh, when we looked at I, when we looked at the number of persons that stayed, it was almost over, it was just off the charts. It was astronomical, the number of people that continued in that journey. Now, I'm not there now, but by the time that I left, those people were ongoing. Even in, you know, I'm back home here in North America, but same process we, we used in Australia. And it was the highest number of decisions in 39 years. And we didn't run a meeting. We, what we did was we engaged and didn't stop. 
And that's what you would suggest to pastors and church leaders across North America? I, I'm just not telling you to year. stop anything. I'm just telling you to add. Yeah, Keep right. it going. Just make your whole year. If you're doing six weeks, absolutely. how many more you need to add? Yeah, if you're going to have a men's day, make it evangelistic. Women's day, make it evangelistic. Youth day, evangelistic. Our Pathfinder Ministries is an evangelism tool. Sabbath school, evangelism. Our worship experience, an evangelism experience. Let, let, me, let me just... Uh, Go right to something that you said not too long ago. I heard you say that. I said that too many of the things that we do are just for us. Yeah. For the people inside the four walls of the church. So sure. we end up we end up just doing stuff that, that only blesses us. Absolutely. And as a church, we're not here to only bless us. We're here to seek and to save the lost, right? Yeah, absolutely. So um, anything that we do needs to be outward focused. Yes, Every, not, not anything, and everything. Everything. Everything we do should be focused on. You know, I think about uh, children. I, I was uh, visiting a church, and someone came to me in a presentation. I was preaching, and um, they said, you know, Pastor, you said that everything we do should be for people that are not here. I said, yeah, we're the only organization in the world that exists for everybody but us. We, yeah. we grow in service. We thrive in mission. That's where we experience the, the greatest spiritual blessings. And so if, if we're going to do something, our Pathfinder ministries around the country, around the division, we have to start asking ourselves, those who are outside. how many of our Pathfinders are not members of this church? Mm -hmm. When we have our Sabbath school, how many people? Are, and we have to go to God and come to come together and say, how do we make an adjustment? And I've seen this, Jose. This is not theory. I've seen that shift happen, and it makes a big difference. More with Jose and John in a moment. We'd love to get to know more about you and your ministry. NAD Ministerial is dedicated to your growth and your success. Go to our website, nadministerial.com, click on podcast and sign up so we can keep you connected to the best tools, information, and events to help you multiply your effectiveness in evangelism. Oh, and make sure you like, rate, and subscribe to the podcast. And all of Jose's social media contacts are on the website as well. NADministerial.com. Now, back to the interview. I've seen it happen as well. And, yeah. and, and I can tell you, as a former youth director with mm -hmm. Pathfinders, you know, we made sure that all of the camporees, that's, that was my part leading. You know, yeah. Because local church uh, Pathfinder leaders, you know, they lead locally. But I led conference-wide and then union-wide. Yeah. Anything that we did always had that element of the... Those who are not here yet. That's right. That's okay? right. Okay, and and those camporees and events ended up being real big evangelism, uh, as it should be. You know, yeah, as with it lots should of be. people being baptized, as it should. Our okay. camp meetings, our junior teen camp, anything. When I remember when I was a kid at junior teen camp, uh, we would go in the summertime, and uh, I remember we would see people give their life to Jesus for the very first time, and they were not Adventists. They didn't come from Adventists or Christian homes even, and that left an indelible impression on me. So anything that we do in church, Sabbath school, women's ministries, men's ministries, the worship ministries, experience, the worship experience. Yeah. how can we make the worship experience more, more friendly to, to non-Christians? Non how can we, we make it evangelistic? I think we have to adjust our language, just like when we when we in relationships with people. When you first meet someone, I didn't meet my wife and say to her the first time I met her, hey, we're going to get married, even though in my heart I knew this is the woman I Real? wanted to marry. I knew you, immediately. You knew was it wasn't love at first sight, but I knew immediately this is the woman I was going to marry. Did she know that you were the one? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. I had to labor for her soul Word. for seven years at like times, Jacob. At times you have to labor, man. Yeah, you do. But over time,
time, that friendship grew and the relationship grew, and there are things that changed and evolved. And so we have to assume that every every Sabbath when we open our worship experience, we open up that church, that people are coming there, we're meeting for the first time. A happy Sabbath is important, but couple it with an explanation. Happy Sabbath. You know what that means? God created this world, and he wants us to remember how much he loves us, and he's got a plan. Um, you know, I, it's important to examine the commandments, but when we repeat them every week, it's as dangerous to lift up one commandment as it is to lift up nine. That's right. It's as dangerous. And so we just have to be careful in how uh, we engage uh, those things. I, I received that. Wow. Yeah. Right. Okay. So now uh, let's, let's go into, into another point here that I wanted to, to, to touch uh, base with you, connection points. Uh, mm. You're the one person that I have heard talk about connection points. I haven't heard a lot of people talking about connection points. Yeah. Can you explain connection points to, to me? Man, I'm glad you asked. This is really important to me because I've, I've, uh, I've been able in, in, in my ministry to sit at the feet of E.E. E. Cleveland, mm. C.D. Brooks. I remember E.E. E. Cleveland. Yeah. yeah, man, tremendous. Carlton Bird, Walter Pearson, mm-hmm. uh, these great evangelists, um, uh, Bob Falkenberg and, and Ron Halverson. Mm-hmm. I grew up with Bouillon. I used to go to his meetings. I was <laughs> I could understand Spanish a bit more when I was growing up in South Florida. Right. And he would come. I remember he came to Pilgrim. And it was just unbelievable. That's yes. right. That's right. All <laughs> over. I, I didn't know there were so many Americans until I went to college in America. I didn't know. I had no idea. And so at any rate, one thing that I found um, in the evangelistic process and in the culture is that our churches assume that when people make a decision to become an Adventist and a Christian, that the, it'll automatically, their journey will take care of itself. And we measure their spiritual growth based on how often they come to church, how often they connect with the church. When the truth of the matter is we have to balance that, how well are we connecting with them? And I've heard, and I know you've heard this, I know every person listening has heard this. Okay. They came and they left. They went out the back door. Yep. I believe connection points is a key to closing the back door. And this is how. You lay out the number of persons, every person that makes a decision, and you start monitoring where they're plugging in. A connection point has to have three elements. It has to provide a collaboration. Collaboration. You don't want ministries that, that work in a silo. Okay. They need to work together. It needs to provide spiritual nurture. Mm-hmm. And it needs to be great commission oriented for those that are out. OK, that's a connection point. That means that all our ministries have to make adjustments in our church because they may have one or two, but not all three. Have all three. Then a person plugs in. Let's say they attend a worship experience that's great commission oriented. It's um, provides spiritual nurture, of course, and it's collaborative by, just by its nature. Well, if they're coming over a four-week period, that means that they need that connection point is their plug-in. That's their plug-in. That's where they come in. That's where they're coming in. But if you have three connection points, the likelihood of that person over the last five years that I've been watching this and exploring this, the likelihood of those persons becoming a committed Seventh-day Adventist Christian in baptism and becoming a disciple and making more disciples has been, in my experience, 100%. Okay. 100%. You need to have what? Three? You need to have three. And so how do you do that? Don't just measure church. Right. What if you also measure how often you go to them, so to their say, home? Let's say I'm mentioned. a guest. Yes. And I come to church my first uh, first time. Mm-hmm. That's, that's my plug-in time. That, that's, that's, that's the start of a connection point. You need that's to come start. more than once. Are you coming okay, so two or three times, maybe four times? All right. 
And then how you increase that is then, how, let me make a home visit. Not a home visit doesn't mean you show up to someone's house unannounced and unexpected. You coordinate. A home visit could be a direct contact for tea in the afternoon. It could be a lunch. It could be any of that is considered a direct So after your first, after your start, mm -hmm. you need to have three more? You need to have three more. With a pastor, with a church member, with... Preferably a church member. If, if, if you've got three places where people are connecting to the church, they're going to join. Okay. In one of those appeals. Wow. And the numbers are going to be off the charts. Wow. And you've proven this. You've checked this out for over five years. In two continents. 100%. 100%. On two continents. Not, not widely when I say two continents. You know what oh, I mean? Man. In my practice, personally. Wow. So we need to, we need to be more mindful uh, when connecting with uh, people that come into church or that yeah. we make friends with. Or and even somebody gets baptized, we need to, at every board meeting... We need to call their name, John. Where's John playing? Well, John comes to church. That's not enough. We know a lot of broken people come to church. That doesn't mean you're growing spiritually because you show up on Sabbath morning, okay? Well, who's visiting John? Who's continuing to explore the word of God with John? What about Jose? And just go down the list. Call those names at every board meeting. That's the evangelism planning so of the board. You're suggesting that we don't keep some of the people that we meet and that are interested in becoming part of our church simply because we don't have enough connection points. Absolutely. Them. That's it. So if we not, follow up, if we follow up, it. they're just waiting for someone we, to follow We up. don't win in baptism, Jose. We win mm. in follow-up. Mm. Our ability to provide excellent care. There are a lot of churches that, that are going to out-preach me. There are a lot of ministries that are going to uh, probably... Uh, be able to provide better environments and, and better food. God knows, okay? But let me tell you this. Outpraise us. Outpraise us, absolutely. Yeah. But no one is going to outcare me. No one can outcare our church. We can do that better than anybody. Mercy. So love them more. That's right. Yeah, love them well, love them right. more. Right. Now, uh, let me go to uh, one last point here because our time is gone. And, John, we're going to come back and we're going to do some more because with you, man, I think we could do probably like 10, 10 yeah, podcasts. Yeah, yeah. Great, man. <laughs> So evangelism and discipleship, mm -hmm. baptisms and discipleship. Yeah. Uh, what's the deal? I've heard people that, that with one, one side of their mouth, they talk up discipleship. Yeah. And through the other side, you know, they talk down baptisms. Sure. Uh, or evangelism. Yeah. So what can you tell me about this? Well, I know you've heard I think, some of this before. Of course, man. It's, uh, it's unfortunate. It's a bit disturbing. It, but... Biblically speaking, evangelism is discipleship, and discipleship is evangelism. Okay. You, don't, you can't divorce them. They're, they're right. like Daniel and Revelation. So they're don't the, divorce them. They're the wedded twins of the Bible. Don't divorce. Don't give a bill of divorce for so evangelism. evangelism and discipleship is like Daniel and Revelation. Absolutely. They're the wedded twins of ministry, engagement. And I think that um, what's happening is, is that because we have treated evangelism as a transaction, and we, we now consider evangelism the transactional ministry approach mm -hmm. and discipleship the transformational ministry approach. When, when you look at the ministry of Christ and the early church, they, they were never divorced. They were, they were one in the same. And there's really only one command associated with discipleship, and that is the call for decision. Mm. That is, at its core, evangelism. Wow. So they go together. Absolutely. All right. Uh, you cannot have one without having the other. You or can't. you shouldn't have one without having the other. No, can't have one without the other. So we got to close. Our time is gone. What, what can you say to pastors and church leaders who are listening to us? One last thought. Uh, for me, I think uh, if I had just one last thought, I'd say to you, make the appeal. C 
care well for the people you come in contact with and make sure you're reaching out in every area of ministry to the people that we serve in the community. There is no such thing as the children in the church are our children. All the children in the community are our ours. Children. All of the women are the women we should care for, all of the men. We, we're responsible for that community, not just the members of our church. Thank you, John. Everyone, you heard it from John Boston, none other than John Boston II. You're wrong. Yes. <laughs> no, come on, let me finish this thing again with, with, with style, man. You just messed me up. You heard it from John Boston II, the associate director for the North American Division Evangelism Institute. He's an expert in the things that, that he just talked about. Uh, this has been uh, your Multiply podcast. This is Jose Cortez. See you soon. Thanks, John and Jose. Make sure you sign up for our email list. And don't forget to rate, like, and subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like to connect with Jose, home base for all things Multiply is nadministerial.com and click on podcast. I'm Patricia. Until next time, keep going, but most of all, keep growing. Multiply. Multiply, a best practices podcast, is a production of NAD Ministerial. Executive producer, Ivan Williams. Designed by Halloran Hill for Anything is Possible. Produced by Kendra Arsenal with Christina Massino. Edited by Taizi Snyder. <laughs>